The following is a presentation of the Open Door Bible Baptist Church and Pastor Chris Tice. For more audio and video content, please check us out on the web at www.opendoornj.org. James didn't say it's a sin to be rich. Um, after all, Abraham was a wealthy man. I mean, if you look at Scripture, it's not that uh, it's bad to have money. It's not that it's bad uh, that you own things. It's not that it's bad that you have materials. Uh, Abraham was a wealthy man, but can I say this? He walked with God. He was greatly used of God to bless the whole world. James was concerned uh, here in this passage of Scripture about the selfishness of the rich and advised them in this passage to weep and to howl. He gave three reasons for his exhortation. We're going to look at those uh, three things just briefly this afternoon as we look at the fact that money matters to God. Uh, I hope that you understand that uh, it does matter to God. And uh, what he gives us, he gives to us to steward. Uh, often we find ourselves desiring more than what we have. You ever, nobody ever felt that way, right? That you want more than what you have. And uh, they say that, uh, that wealth corrupts. And I've always wanted to be put to that test. Anybody else with me? Just let me see if it'll corrupt me or not. But, uh, you know, sometimes we just, um, we overlook what God has given us. And I, I really am a, a firm believer in the word of God that if we will steward what God has given us well that God will bless us with more. But if we will not steward what we have been given, we won't, we won't do the best with what God has given us, then he is not obligated to give us any more uh, than what we have today. A lot of times we're, we're poor stewards. We ask God to give us more because we wasted what we had. And uh, God's not obligated to give us more if we're not stewarding what he is giving us. And uh, let me just submit this to you. If you don't tithe when you don't have a lot, you won't tithe when you do have a lot. If you're not a giving person when you have little, you won't be a giving person when you have more. Having wealth doesn't give you the character of being generous. Uh, having wealth doesn't give you the character of giving more. Uh, and that, that, that has to do with time, energy, money, wealth, anything. If you're not a generous person, if you're not a giving type person, if you don't have the Lord's heart when it comes to being giving, you will not be that no matter where you find yourself in your finances. Too many people use the excuse, well, I can't give to the Lord because I don't have enough. If you look at the scriptures, there are enough people in scriptures where God says, look at this person, they didn't have a lot, and they gave what they had. Uh, they didn't have much, but they gave what they had. They stewarded what they had. As a matter of fact, we understand in the Bible that uh, when he gave out talents, the one that buried it and just kept it for himself and didn't invest the one that he was given, that God said, you're an unprofitable uh, servant that you have not done. Now, he didn't get 10 talents. He only got one. But God said, you should have done with the one that I gave you. You should not have hid it. You should have kept it for yourself. You should have used it. So we understand that God uh, cares about our money. He cares about what he blesses us with. It really starts with the understanding and realization that everything we have belongs to God. And if you'll, if you'll just step away from your life and you'll say that, it'll help you when it comes to God saying, I want you to give this. When it comes to God saying, I want you to let this go, because too many of us, uh, we're afraid. Remember Abraham, we said he was wealthy, but we also know about Abraham that he left his position of security. He left his home. He left uh, the area where he had, all, had gotten all his wealth. And the Bible says he went out not knowing whither he went. Now, I don't know too many guys uh, that have a lot and have built an empire in a sense of just wanting to walk out and walk away from it all, not knowing where you're going. And Abraham did that by faith. So we see the heart of Abraham, even though he had a lot, that he was willing to be obedient to God. Uh, we see someone in the New Testament that was not willing to do that. There was a rich young ruler that came to Jesus, and, and the Bible says that Jesus said, go take everything you have and sell it and give it to the poor, and then come up and follow me. And the Bible says he, he went away sad because he had much. And the thing that he didn't understand is what Jesus had to offer him was a lot more than what he was giving up. 
And uh, the sad part of that is that if he did not give his heart to the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, he died and he would have heard the words, Thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of you. And uh, he might have had a lot in this earth, materialistically speaking, but the Bible's clear when it comes to us that eternity is in view and we should invest and uh, lay up treasure in heaven where moth and dust do not corrupt. And I want to give you just three simple thoughts about our wealth. And uh, the first one is, is that God cares about how we get our money. That God cares about how uh, we get our money. And that's just the first one. The way you get money matters to God. And uh, I want you to see in verse number 4, chapter 5, it says this, Behold the hire of the laborers who have reaped down your fields, which is of you kept back by what? Fraud. He uh, introduces a word that is, uh, is not a popular one in, the, uh, uh, in money circles. As a matter of fact, uh, there are people that have a lot of money that got their money by fraud. Uh, they didn't get their money, they didn't get their, their wealth uh, in the way that they should have gotten their wealth. And the Bible doesn't is- discourage the acquiring of wealth. In the law of Moses, the specific rules in the Old Testament are laid down for getting and securing wealth. The Jews in Canaan uh, owned their own property. They worked it. They benefited from the produce. In several of the parables that Jesus gave, Jesus uh, indicated his respect for personal property and private gain. And there's nothing in the epistles that contradicts the right of private ownership and profit. Sometimes people get the the story of Ananias and Sapphira all backwards. It's not that Ananias and Sapphira were wrong that they had money. It wasn't even wrong that they kept money. You understand it was wrong that they lied to the Holy Spirit. That's why they were judged for what they did. They were trying to present themselves as being very giving, very generous in the church of God, and they were lying about what they were giving. They had told the church they had sold a property, and they were giving every part of the profits to the church, and really the Bible says they were keeping back a part. And the Bible says, uh, you know, Ananias comes in, and he dies, and you know, then Sapphira, she dies because they did not tell the truth. They didn't uh, tell the truth, and that's what God judged them for. So it wasn't about, here's the thing, uh, the question was even given to them, why have you lied? What was, the, what was the point of this? You could have just sold the property and kept it. You didn't have to give it to the church. There's nothing that says you had to do that. But they, they lied about what they had done. They weren't honest. And so God doesn't, God, it's not that God doesn't want us to have anything. It's that God wants us to be honest with what we have, and he wants us to be honest with how we got it. And there's too many people out there trying to get the quick buck, if you would, or trying to come by wealth uh, through a way of, of doing things wrongly. Now, um, you know, the Bible condemns acquiring wealth by illegal means or for illegal purposes. And I'll give you some illustrations. The, the prophet Amos thundered a message of judgment against the wealthy upper crust who he said robbed the poor and used their stolen wealth for selfish luxuries. Isaiah and Jeremiah also exposed the selfishness of the rich. He warned that judgment was coming. It is in that spirit that we even read here in James that he gives uh, really two illustrations of how the rich acquired their wealth. The first one was in verse number four. We read it. They were holding back wages. Uh, Laborers were hired and paid by the day, and they didn't have any legal contracts with their employers. There was no unions. Uh, uh, There was nothing to fight for their uh, rights as, as employees. And The parable of the laborers in Matthew 20, verses 1 through 16, gives us some idea of the system that was in place in that day. In the law, God gave definite instructions concerning uh, the laboring man in order to protect him from an oppressive, rather, employer. 
And God was saying that there was some people that were getting gain, they were getting wealth by fraud. They were holding back what they should give. And by the way, the Bible says a laborer is worthy of his hire. Uh, the Bible even tells us, uh, myself as a pastor, the Bible says they that, uh, that, li- uh, that they that preach the gospel should live of the gospel. In other words, it's not wrong for a pastor, it's not wrong for somebody in ministry to get paid. And as a matter of fact, the, the Bible is pretty clear that, uh, that the, 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 the man of God should be taken care of. And so sometimes we have this idea, well, I haven't lived by faith, and you know, that's not what God's requiring of any of us. God's saying, hey, listen, as you labor, you're, you're worthy of your hire. You should get paid for your work. And, and there's nothing wrong with getting paid for, for working and for laboring and for doing those things. But what God is saying is that you should come by it by honest means. You understand that he cares about how you get your money. There's too many people today, and um, it's a sad thing. I mean, the, uh, they say that the, the lottery is the, is the poor tax. It's, it's something that keeps the poor poor uh, because uh, you don't see a whole lot of people that are rich playing the lottery. Uh, who's playing the lottery? Poor people hoping to get rich. And why are they hoping to get rich? Not that they worked for it, not that they labored for it. They're waiting for that 777 jackpot, if you would. And uh, you see people that are gambling away. They'll go down to Atlantic City. They'll go to, it just turns my stomach now when you see these commercials coming up on television encouraging people to gamble online and, and uh, how many homes have been destroyed and people have been destroyed because people have just gambled away their money and given away their money. And, and by the way, that's not something that God approves of. God's not approving of someone trying to get gain that they didn't uh, earn, trying to get gain that they didn't labor for, trying to get gain that they didn't work for. Uh, nobody's ever done this with uh, the insurance. You put it uh, today, you know, one of the reasons why our insurance rates are so high is because people are dishonest. It's the truth. Because people are just trying to get one over and, you know, we're just trying to, you know, oh, we're not going to be honest. We're not going to be honest. Uh, we had this uh, electrical thing with uh, the uh, lightning and had to put in a claim to our insurance adjuster. And, and uh, she was asking me about some of the things. And I, was, I sent her all the invoices of the things that we had purchased and said, this is what we got. And, and uh, she said, is this sufficient or did you need more money? I said, we're not looking to make money here. We're just looking to uh, recover what we lost. That's what insurance is for. That's what we're trying to do here. And uh, she said, you understand that even though that we represent churches, that often uh, people are just not honest. They're just not honest about, about what they have. They think that that means, you know, we're just going to make all this money, make all this profit. And God, uh, God doesn't say you can't have money. He just says if the money that you have, you ought to have been honest, uh, honestly acquired it. It, it should not have been uh, because you were fraudulent in, the, in your work and there were rich men that had hired laborers and promised to pay them a specific amount, and the men had completed their work, but they had not been paid. And the tense of the verb here, kept back, uh, re- really just indicates that the laborers never will get their salaries, that they'll never get what was promised to them. And uh, can I submit to you tonight, that, uh, or this afternoon, that thou shalt not steal is still in the law of God. And it's his law, and he'll enforce it, by the way. And as Christians, it, it really behooves us to be faithful, come on, to pay our bills, and all God's children said, amen. We're just trying to, you know, come on. We're waiting for uh, the rapture to come. We'll rack up all the bills and Jesus will come back and, and bail us out. That's not the way we're supposed to live our lives. As a matter of fact, God tells us that we're supposed to be, uh, we're supposed to pay our bills. You know, uh, I think uh, sometimes I find myself embarrassed when uh, unsaved men tell me about Christians who owe them money, apparently have no intention of paying them, have no intention of, of, of doing what's right and and by the way, if we're being honest with ourselves, there's been times where all of us have been in that position, that place, uh, where we just have not done our best in that area. Come on, it's difficult. I understand. I didn't say life was easy. I didn't say we always had. But we should not have this mentality. I'm just going to walk away and not pay my bills. 
I'm just going to walk away and I'm not going to do what's right. And uh, I hope that uh, we be encouraged, that, especially as Christians, that we can be a, a good testimony by doing what's right with our money. And uh, the second thing he talked about is verse number six, being honest with how you get money. In verse six, he says, you have condemned and killed the just, and he doth not resist you. What were they trying to do? It's, you know, in the sense of, it's often the case with those that have wealth, they also have political power to get what they want. And, uh, you know, whoever has the gold makes the rules, right? Uh, that's kind of the way these guys were working. If we, had the, if we have the influence, we have the money, we can make the rules, even if that's uh, not a, a good thing. In James 2.6, he says, he says, Do not rich men oppress you and draw you before uh, the judgment seats. Uh, when the name Watergate is mentioned, nobody thinks of a beautiful hotel. That's not what you think of when you think of Watergate. Uh, it's a horrible thing. The word reminds us of an ugly episode in American history that led to the revelation of lies and the resignation of a president, and each side accused the other of obstructing justice and manipulating the laws. When God established Israel in her land, he gave the people a system of courts, and he warned the judges not to be greedy. They were not to be partial to the rich or to the poor, and no judge was to tolerate perjury. It's no better for us to have uh, a... Um, a president that is a president to the rich any more than it is for us to have a president that's a president only to the poor. Uh, that's not be- one, one's not better than the other. What we need is, is justness, rightness. And God's saying here what he wants us to look at, if you would, when it comes to our money that it matters to God is, is number one, he cares about how we got it. We're not to be fraudulent with it. We're not to be dishonest with it. And we're not to use it to manipulate. You know, so many people, even in that, you say, not in church. Listen, Sometimes people, uh, you'd be surprised, and I won't tell you any stories, but as a pastor, I've seen a lot of different things, and I've been in church a lot of years, and I've seen people try to use money to manipulate, even in the house of God, where because we're big givers or because we're whatever, and people hold back where they give uh, based on whether or not you perform the way they want you to perform. And uh, what I have to be reminded often as, as, as a man of God and from the Word of God is that I'm not for sale that I'm not, uh, I'm not greedy of filthy lucre, that I'm not, I'm not for hire, I'm not a hireling, the Bible says, and that I'm not, I'm not for sale. You know, that, that's not a, uh, we're going to keep preaching and teaching the truth regardless of uh, how that affects, if you would, the pockets because we understand that God's the one that takes care of us. And that's our, our way of looking at it. So when it comes to money, God cares about how you got it. Number two, God cares about what you do with it. The way you get money matters to God, and the way you use money matters to God. I think it's just as important, by the way, that if God cares about how I get it, that God cares about how I use it. And God cares about what we do with our money. And uh, it's bad enough uh, to gain wealth in a sinful way, but to use that wealth in sinful ways just makes the sin greater. In other words, if I get it, in, in, in unhonest ways, and then I use it to do wrong things. You know, God cares about that. God cares about what I buy. God cares about what I do uh, with my money. God cares about how we use our money. Is that not the purpose of money, is that we would use it? In other words, it's not something that we store and try to collect. You know, as a church, you know, the one thing we've always presented when we, when we deal with the bank, they wanted to know how much money we had in the bank, and I laughed. They said, what do you mean? You don't, you don't, keep, you don't store up money? And I said, no. We're, uh, aren't we a nonprofit organization? I mean, isn't that the whole sense of what we are? Is that what comes in? We use it. And by the way, can I ask you a question? What are we storing it up for? 
What, ex- what exactly are we holding on to it for? You know, the best that I can understand when it comes to the church of God, that we're conduits. That God sends money in so that it can be sent out. That God puts money in so that it can be used. Now, I understand that, uh, that it could become very popular if all of us just say, well, we're just going to keep, you know, we want to have a nest egg here. We want to just keep storing up, storing up, storing up. And by the way, can I, can I share something with you at a pa- as a pastor? I might sleep better on Sunday night if, that is, if that's what we did. Uh, I remember the day I became a senior pastor. It's the first Sunday that, the first Monday that I worried about what was in the offering plate. I'm serious. Uh, I, first Sunday, I remember. I mean, the first Monday, I, I wonder what, how much was the. You know, before I became a pastor, I never worried about that. I never worried about that. Monday morning, the first time I became. I mean, I remember. I, what was it? What was the offering? Is it enough to pay the bills? Is it enough to pay the staff? Is it enough to keep the uh, electric on? Is it enough to uh, operationally do what we... Is it enough to pay the missionaries? Is it enough to... You understand, that could become a burden. And, and, and by the way, it's, it's supposed to be a blessing, but you know sometimes uh, we like to have this idea that we're supposed to store it up. And by the way, look at verse number 3 of chapter 5. It says, your gold and silver is cankered. And the, what's that next word? Rust. Can I ask you a question? Rust doesn't grow on something that's moving, right? Rust grows on something that's what? Sitting still. It's not doing anything. It's not doing its job. Uh, it's, it's something you say, well, my car moves a lot and still develops rust. Well, maybe that's, uh, maybe that's what it is. But you understand is this, it's been sitting a long time. That's what happens. And uh, God's talking about people that just hold on to their money and they're trying to, you know, there's rust growing on it. The Bible literally says it's cankered. The rust of them shall be a witness against you. It shall eat your flesh as it were fire. You have heaped treasure together for the last days. He says, what in the world are you... It's just like the man that, uh, that was in the uh, New Testament parable that Jesus gave. He said, he said, I've got so much, I've got to build more barns to hold it. And God said, thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of you. Can I ask you a question? What are you trying to save all that up for anyway? Uh, and I don't know who I'm talking to today, really. I should probably be preaching to another crowd of people, probably, you t- right? I mean, uh, so you say, I don't, I don't know what you're talking about, Pastor. There must be somebody else that has a lot of money. But, you know, uh, this guy, he was, he was holding on to money. Why was he doing that? Well, he thought that by holding on to things uh, that he was going to somehow uh, be able to, if you would, have more out of life. And by the way, he just had more barns. He had more, he had more for people to fight over when he died. I mean, you know all that stuff you have is just when you die, people are just going to fight over it. That's all, that, all that's going to happen with it. It's not going to be uh, something that I've seen some, after people die, I've seen some horrible things in families where families tore apart fighting over money, fighting over different things. They stored it up. There's nothing sinful about saving, and, uh, in case you think that's what I'm saying. But it says, for the children ought, to not, ought not to lay up for the parents, but the parents for the children. But if any provide not for his own, especially for those of his, his own house, he hath denied the faith and is worse than an infidel. Uh, the Bible says in Matthew 25, 27, then you ought to uh, have put money in the bank and on my arrival to receive my money with interest. He was talking about the fact that uh, it's okay to save money. It's okay to steward what you have. I'm not saying you need to empty your bank account, but what I am saying is that God cares about how you use your money. I will say this, it's wrong to store up wealth when you owe money to your employees. It's, it's wrong to store up wealth when you owe money to uh, collectors. Uh, and rich men were hoarding grain, gold, garments. They thought that they were rich because they had possessions. Instead of laying up treasures in heaven by using their wealth for God's glory, they were selfishly guarding it for their own security and for their own pleasure. 
Uh, I heard a pastor say once that you ought to take your, your mall money to church and your church money to the mall. You say, I don't know what that means. Well, next time you go to the mall, take your church money to the mall and then bring your mall money to church. You know, sometimes we go to the mall and we'll drop money for this and that and other things. And then we come into God's house and we're like, well, I think I give him a five. You know, t- take your five to the mall and see how far that goes. You might, but you might be able to buy a smoothie. I don't know. You know, sometimes that's, that's how we are. We'll drop, listen, we'll drop five bucks on a coffee today. But, you know, we come to God's house like, well, let me give my, let me tip God. You know, let me just give him a little bit. Let me just, you know, don't want to give too much to God, you see. You know, why, why are we that way? Because we have this attitude and we want things for ourselves. You know, why would you spend more on yourself than you would spend on God? Well, you spend on the needs that others have. That You spend on, uh, it, it's amazing sometimes in the house of God how people get things so backward as we think, you know, uh, well, you know, let me give my $5 to the missionary. Let me go ahead and go ahead and buy myself a new whatever. And I'm not against you having a new whatever. I'm not against you buying a coffee. I'm not against you doing those things. But I'm saying how you use your money, you need to check that with God. You need to say, God, are you pleased with the use or how I'm stewarding what I have? Again, I say that God is not obligated to give us any more if we don't steward what he has given us. You know, what does Jesus mean by laying up treasure in heaven? I think sometimes uh, people misinterpret that. Did he mean we should sell everything and give it to the poor? as he instructed a rich young ruler? I don't think so. As a matter of fact, there's enough in Scripture that would tell us not. He spoke that way to the rich ruler because covetousness was that young man's besetting sin, and Jesus wanted to expose it. That's the reason why Jesus spoke to him. He knew his heart. He knew what was in his heart. He knew what he was holding on. He knew what he was worshiping. God asked that man for what his God was. He said, let me, let me ask you, would you give this up to follow Jesus? And be careful what you worship because God will take it away. God will say, I'm going to take away the, thing, the object of your worship so that I can once again be uh, the object of your worship. Shouldn't God be the object of our worship? Too much, we worship other things. And uh, Jesus was showing his problem. And you and I may possess many things, but can I say this? We own none of them. We may possess many things, but we own none of them. I think too many times we, we think ownership, come on, you all know you don't own that house anyway, right? Whatever bank is underwriting, it owns it. And, uh, you know, you might as well just give all that stuff to God. Well, that's my car. No, that's PNC's car. That's, uh, that's uh, somebody else's. Well, this is mine. These are mine. These are mine. Listen, none of it belongs to us. We are stewards. It all belongs to God. Every good and perfect gift comes from the Lord. And uh, it, it would do us well that we would have that spirit. To lay up treasure in heaven means to use all that we have as stewards of God's wealth. You and I may possess many things, but we don't own them. God is the owner of anything, everything, and we are his stewards. What we possess and use are merely things apart from the will of God. When we yield to his will and use what he gives us to serve him, then things become treasures and we're investing in eternity. Listen, you can have things or you can have treasures. I'd rather have treasures. God says, hey, listen, here's your things. These can be treasures if you'll use them for me. Isn't that the truth about life? How many days you have left? Anybody know? How many breaths? How many moments? How many seconds? How many minutes? Do we even know? Are we so prideful that we think that we're going to live forever? Listen, we know that that's not the case. Remember what he said to the rich man, thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. 
God is the one that knows our breasts. He's the one that knows our days. He's the one that knows our life. Don't you think he would be the one to consult about our future? If God knows when our days are over, if God knows when our life is ended, should we not follow God's instruction when it comes to our belongings? That God say, hey, listen, I want to instruct you. I want to show you how to make the most of what I've given you in your life. A lot of us would listen if we had some kind of uh, great financial advisor come in that had proven great success and had a lot of wealth, and uh, we'd want to find the fast track to that success. Can I, can I tell you that there is no fast track to success? You know what most of those people do that go to those conventions, you know, that look like this? Anybody know what that is, right? Is a, conve- a pyramid? You know, a lot of times they say, well, you just... You work under me, and I'll, I'll get you to work for me, and then you go get 10 people to work for you, and we'll all be rich. We'll all have money. And who makes the most money? Bernie Madoff, right? The guy at the top. The guy at the top of the pyramid is the one that's making the money, and he's laughing his way to the bank because everybody thinks that they're having great success. And they're having all these hoorah-rah conventions. You think they go to three days of convention, all of a sudden we're going to have the keys to wealth. Did I tell you the keys to wealth are just working hard? Working hard and being a good steward. Working hard and and using what God allows you to have to his honor, to his glory. Uh, Too many Christians, the reason why they're not able to give what they should be able to give in the house of God is they're not living within their means. I'm just being honest. Is that we're, the reason why we can't give is because we live above our means. We don't live within the means that God has allowed us. Can Can I share with you, wherever you're at financially, God knows. With me? God knows where you're at financially. Thank God for where you are. Don't be, uh, listen, whatsoever state I am, therewith to be what? Content. And God's not going to bless an uncontent person. Because if it, before long, you'll be, you'll be tempted to go about by getting wealth by being dishonest. Because you're looking for the quick buck. You're looking for, don't you wish you could talk to some of those young men who somebody told they could make a bunch of money if they broke the law? If they just, you know, this is where the money's at, man. This is where you can make a bunch of uh, quick money. And too, too many people are behind bars today because they were trying to make quick money. And they found out that's not the way to do it. But I wish, I, I wish somebody would have warned them. Or wish they would have heeded that warning. You know, what a tragedy is to see people heap up treasures for the last days instead of laying up treasures in heaven. That's what he said here. He said in, in, verse, in verse number 6. He said, you have condemned and killed the just. But he said in verse number 3, he said, you've heaped treasure together for the last days. Well, you can heap up treasure for the last days or you can lay up treasure in heaven. It's your choice. The Bible doesn't condemn or discourage saving or even investing, but it does condemn hoarding. Anybody see that show, Hoarders? Let me take you next door. We can, I'll show you the show, all right? Some, sometimes sometimes we, we have this idea that we think if we just hold on to everything that we have, until it breaks, then we give it to the church, right? Yeah, okay, you didn't like that one, all right. <laughs> oh, that's broken, we don't need it. Well, take it to the church, maybe they can use it. You know, sometimes that's our attitude, though. We give to God leftovers. What does God ask for? First fruits? God says, don't, I want your leftovers, I want your first fruits. I don't want what you have left after you've used it. I want what you, would, what you would buy for yourself. I want what you would give for yourself. I want what you would purchase for yourself. Or sometimes what, what you wouldn't even purchase for yourself. God says, give me your best. Give me your first. You know, when you get your paycheck, take off the top and give to God. Don't take what, it, what you have left. 
Before, before long, what you'll find is that your holes, have, your, your, your holes have pockets in them. Your pockets have holes in them. And God will get to money one way or another from you. And uh, they kept benefiting from others. They lived in luxury, verse number 5. You've lived in pleasure on earth and been wanton. You have nourished your hearts as in a day of slaughter. You have, he said you have a high, lived a high style on the earth. Come on, what's, that, what's the world teaching us to love? Luxury, right? Love luxury. They're even trying to sell us cheap cars and call them luxurious, luxurious cars, right? This is a luxury car that you can buy, but it's a lesser price. Uh, can I tell you that doesn't exist? Luxury is a waste, and waste is a sin. Luxury is a waste, and waste is a sin. I would submit to you that if we brought some of the, you know, some of the churches from Africa, some of the churches from other countries, we brought them here, they'd find a use for a lot of things that we throw away. You know, they, they find a use for a lot of things that we find worthless. They'd be happy with less than what we have. As a matter of fact, in America, we've, we found out that we, listen, I, I had somebody come and they said, uh, Pastor, we dropped some clothes off to the church. I said, have you seen the clothes bins lately? I said, go down to the uh, Chick-fil-A down there. There's three clothes bins. There's stuff on the ground all around the clothes bins because you can't give away old clothes fast enough. As a matter of fact, I said, if you bring it here, I can't give it away. I remember, how many remember being young in secondhand clothes? I've heard people say, I don't wear secondhand clothes. Well, God bless you. But sometimes, uh, and, and I'm not saying that it's wrong to buy clothes either. What I'm, what I'm saying to you is that we have learned to live above that which we need. And uh, a magazine advertisement told of the shopping spree of an oil-rich sultan. He purchased 19 Cadillacs, one for each of his 19 wives. You with me, guys? probably hoping they'd drive far away. (laughs) He paid extra to have the cars lengthened. He also bought two Porsches, six Mercedes, a $40,000 speedboat, and a truck for hauling it. Add to the list 16 refrigerators, $47,000 worth of women's luggage. God help him. Two Florida grapefruit trees, two reclining chairs, and one slot machine. I don't know what the slot machine was for. His total bill was $1.5 million, and he had to pay another $194,500 to have everything delivered. Now, that's luxury. You with me? That, that, all, all of us are grateful for the good things of life, and we would certainly not want to return to uh, primitive conditions. That's not what I'm saying. We should live like a primitive country. But we recognize the fact that there's a, po- there's a point of diminishing returns, isn't there? He says... The Quaker said to his neighbor, tell me what thou dost need, and I will tell thee how to get along without it. Uh, you know, a lot of times our needs are not needs. They're just wants. Um, how many remember when you didn't have one of these? How many would like to live life without one now? Some of you. Some of you. But can I submit to you that even though you would like to, you won't get rid of yours? Because... We have needs that aren't real needs. I need, you ever hear a young person say, I need a cell phone. For what? Well, you know, I got to see what everybody else is doing. What did we do before we could see low quality pictures of people's food? What, I mean, how did we enjoy, how, how did we enjoy life before that? I mean, what did, what, what did we, what did we, uh, what did we do before the selfie? I mean, how do we, how, 
How else would we know what people's bathrooms look like? You know, no, I didn't just take one. You know, you know, sometimes, isn't it true that it's all about the selfie? That's what it is. You know what it is? It's about me, right? It's about the self. It's about us. It's about, listen, all the time, it's just me, me, me. And everybody like me, and everybody comment about me, and everybody tell me how much I'm awesome. You know, I, 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 my kids, they're learning quick. They put up a picture on Instagram the other day, said, how many likes did it get? You know, because that's how we rate our worth now, right? By how many, how many likes we get, how many, how many things that people like. Luxury is a way of ruining character. It's a form of self-indulgence. If you match character with wealth, you can produce much good. But if you match self-indulgence with wealth, the result is sin. The rich man Jesus described in Luke 16 uh, would have felt right at home with the rich man James wrote to in James 5. And then lastly, uh, we want to get number three, a word from God about what wealth will do. And uh, the way you get money matters to God. The way you use money matters to God. And, and number three, uh, God cares about or God wants to give us a word about what we do uh, with our money. A sure word about money matters from God. And the, the rich thought they had, uh, had it made because of their wealth, but God thought otherwise. Look what he says in, in verse number one, he says, howl for your miseries that shall come upon you. James described the consequences of misusing riches. He says in verse number two and three that riches will vanish. He says, grain will rot, corrupt. In verse two, gold will rust. Garments will become mothy. Nothing material in this world will last forever. And the seeds of death and decay are found in all of creation. Listen, the world is running down. I'd like to talk to an evolutionist about that. Why isn't everything getting better? Why is everything, why, why is the universe doing what the laws of the universe tell us? Everything is constantly going in decay. It's running down. How many know your body is not getting better? It's just, well, some of you that take a lot of selfies think it's getting better every day. But, I mean, it's, it's really not. It's not getting better. And uh, it's a great mistake to think that there is security in wealth. Listen, many a person that, that put their security, their hope, their faith in their bank account found out the next day when it was empty or when they lost the job or when they didn't have as much money as what they thought. How in the world am I going to do this? And the day that we call recession, I'm driving through our town watching them uh, build houses in the low 500s. You know, and I'm thinking, who's buying these things? You know, uh, we, we, we don't have any money, but we certainly, are, uh, we certainly are building mansions for ourselves. You can build a mansion for yourself here, or you can lay up treasure for the one you're on your way to. And we've got to be careful with how we use our money, because the Bible says if we use it wrongly, there's some things that will happen. Riches will vanish. There's no security in wealth. Riches are uncertain. The money market fluctuates from hour to hour. So does the stock market. Listen, you'll, you'll pull your hair out watching that thing. It goes up, it goes down, it goes up, it goes down, it goes up, it goes down. I'm not talking about your wife's emotions tonight. Some of you ladies say, oh, you just woke up. Hello, we're having church. You know, it, it, it goes up, it goes down, it goes all over the place. And uh, you see, sometimes we, um, we lose sight of what's important. Riches will vanish. The second thing he tells us in verse 3 is that Misused riches erode character. Notice in verse number three, he says, your gold and silver is cankered. Notice he says, it shall eat your what? 
flesh as it were of fire. You have heaped treasure together for the last days. He said the corrosion of the wealth, the misuse of money will eat your flesh like fire. You ever ever see someone that's just concerned about where they're getting that next big dollar, where they're getting that next paycheck? They just don't sleep. They have unrest. They're not at peace. And uh, this is a present judgment. The poison of wealth has infected them and they're being eaten alive by their own wealth. Of itself, money's not sinful, it's neutral. The Bible doesn't say that money is the root of all evil. It says the love of money is the root of all evil. And God reminds us of this. He says, thou shalt not covet. And covetousness will make a person break all of the other nine commandments. It's the truth. If you have covetousness in your heart, you'll break all the other nine commandments. Covetousness will drive you to do all the other things. The Bible talks about not coveting your neighbor's wife. Adultery comes from covetousness. Pride comes from covetousness. Uh, All these lying, covetousness. What are you lying for? To get gain, to get more. Um, And God's saying, hey, listen, this this is something that will destroy you. Next, he says, judgment is a certainty to those that love money. Look at verse number five. You've lived in pleasure on the earth and been wanting. You have nourished your hearts as in a day of slaughter. Jesus Christ will be the judge and his judgment is going to be righteous. You know, one day as Christians, we're going to stand before God and we're going to give an account. What are we going to give an account for? Our sin? No. You know, there's never going to be a time. You ought to thank God for that, by the way. As a Christian, you're not going to stand before God. It's not going to be this is your life. It's not going to be, this is what you did. It's not going to be, these are all your sins. Hey, can I remind you tonight, my sins are in the sea of forgetfulness. There's far away as the east is from the west. He's remembered them no more. He's forgotten them. I'm forgiven. I'm cleansed. I'm redeemed. Praise the Lord for that. Are you with me tonight on that one? This afternoon? You know, he, he has put that sin away from us. So when we stand before God, what we'll be judged for? We'll be judged for what we did with the life that we, he gave us. We'll be judged for stewardship. So God's going to say, just like he asked those that he gave the talents to, this is the money I gave you. Why did you do this with it? This is the life I gave you. Why did you do this with it? This is the stuff that I gave you. These are the materials that I gave you. Why did you not do this? Why did you not do what's right with what I I gave you? Why did you not invest in the right places? And uh, the truth of the matter is, is that all of our works will be judged by the fiery eyes of God, and he's going to look at them, and the things that we've done for ourselves, the things that we've done to uh, do for us, the Bible says are going to be burned up like wood, hay, and stubble. And the only things that will stand are the things that we've done for the Lord Jesus Christ. Those are the things the Bible says that are going to be like gold and silver and precious stone. You know why? Uh, one reason why God's going to have to wipe away our tears? Because I think we're going to have a lot of tears of regret for what we did with our life. And we should have spent more in our life for doing what God wanted us to do rather than on ourselves. Judgment is a certainty. James not only saw a present judgment, their wealth decaying, their character eroding, but the future judgment before God... Note the witness that God will call in the day of judgment. First, the rich man's wealth will witness against them, James 5, 3. Their rotten grain, rusted gold, silver, moth-eaten garments will bear witness of the selfishness of their hearts. There's a little bit of irony here as we close this afternoon. The rich man saved their wealth to help them, but their hoarded riches will testify against them in that day. 
So they save the money for themselves, but the Bible says that that is what will testify against their life. The wages they held back will also witness against them in God's court. Money talks, doesn't it? Money talks. It's a statement that is often used in the world. And the the truth of the matter is, is one day, our possessions, our time, our energy, our, our wealth, our money will speak for itself. Because you'll see where your treasure is, there will your what? Heart be also. What's God saying? Put your money where your mouth is. That's what God's saying. Oh, Lord, I love you. I want to give more to mission. I want to do, I want to do more for God says, put your money where your mouth is. If you really, if you really believe those things, if you're, then you'll give. And by the way, you'll do it cheerfully. Not begrudgingly. Not, 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 uh, not by constraint. Not out of necessity. The Lord loves a what? A cheerful giver. If God has used this ministry in any way to be a blessing to you, please take a moment to send us an email to info at opendoornj.org. Also, if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so online at opendoornj.org. Thanks for tuning in.